Welcome to the Positive Pants Podcast. Mindset, motivation, and inspiration to help you find your positive pants. It's time to let go of negative thinking, understand why you do what you do, and stop the self-sabotage with your host, Fran Excel. Welcome to the show. As always, it's Fran Excel, your resident subconscious success mentor, helping you find your very own pair of positive pants so you can get out of your own way and live a life that you love. If you want to stop sabotaging your own success and let go of the stress, then you are in the right place, my friend. Make sure you download your free stressed to success guided meditation at bit.ly forward slash stressed to success as my little gift to you for being here. Please do subscribe, share, review. It really, really helps people that need to hear this message find us. And I so appreciate it. In the show notes, you will also find details of how you can work with me and where you can get your mitts on my meditations, products, and printables. You can also find it through the link in my bio on Instagram, which is my second favorite place to hang out. So please do come join me over there at I'm Fran Excel. Tag me in your takeaways, slide into my DMs. I am here for it. So that is the formalities over my love. So let's jump into the content. Hello, hello. I am so excited about today's episode. I have Jonathan DePotter with me, founder of Behold Retreats. And we're going to talk about something a little bit left field for you guys. Now, plant medicine is something that I've kind of been looking into for a really long time. And the and psychedelics in the way that they can actually help us heal from deep emotional trauma, help us with consciousness, help us separate from ego, all of these things. And we're going to have a really, really interesting conversation with you guys. It's going to make you think differently, which you know I love to do. So Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Thank you, Fran. Uh, it's, uh, it's lovely to be here. Um, so where to begin? So, so at Behold Retreats, we really are passionate about guiding people towards how to make the most out of plant medicine, how to make the most out of psychedelics. And um, I think a good place to start is by recognizing that these plant medicines respond to the intention. Um, and so, you know, I think most of us have friends or know people who have, say, done a lot of psychedelics, mm-hmm. but aren't necessarily leading a beautiful life, right? So it's not, it's not the fact that, hey, you just take psychedelics and they're really going to improve your life. That's, that's really not it. The substances themselves are neutral, but they're very powerful tools. Um, and so what's important is actually the context and the intention that sits behind the use Uh, of these very powerful tools. And so, you know, all of the amazing science that we see coming out from Harvard and Yale and closer to you, Imperial College in London, um, really evidences the profound benefits that are available in the right context. Uh, And so what we are trying to bring to the table with Behold Retreats is really to help people take this very seriously and to do the necessary preparation, mental and emotional work, Uh, ahead of a retreat to use this retreat really to embody your future self like so what are your dreams what is the reality that you want to create Uh, and then you know in that context with that setting and with that request kind of quote unquote to the plant medicine uh, it's incredible to see how it can respond in kind to to the intention that you've set and the respect that you've given the depth of these experiences. 
Mm, I love it. It's so fascinating because I think psilocybin was the first one that I had heard anything about, which is um, for everybody listening, it's pretty much it's magic mushrooms, isn't it? <laughs> so we have, I think, from university, particularly in the UK, um, I never experimented with it because I was always a little wary of psychedelics and and you know as someone with a with a control thing <laughs> it's it's something that that never massively appealed to me it was something that I feared but through the the continued research and and kind of bigger people coming out and talking about psilocybin LSD um, um, ayahuasca becoming kind of more mainstream and being more legalized around the globe but people like Steve Jobs Michael Pollan Tim Ferriss talking about it all the time it's something that I think is really important to bring into conversation because I love what you say about the intention behind it because so many of these modalities people think you have this kind of one and done thing and it's not like you take a magic mushroom or you pop some lsd and then you're cured (laughs) there's a lot more to it and i think there's there's a huge amount of modalities where it promises these profound changes instant changes but there's a lot more to it than that there's i love what you're talking about the integration um and obviously the, the prep work as well so tell us a little bit about that and and if you want to touch on any of the research at any point please do my guys love geeking out on the science so feel free yeah yeah um so so there's a few a few dynamics i guess you know the the reality is that in the in the wild world there's very few plant medicine practitioners who really know what they're doing. Um, so if I, if uh, I'm going to wind all the way back to set, to set a bit of context for you, like, like you, Fran, um, I was quite the skeptic. I grew up in a context, I grew up in Hawaii in the U S and around me, there was a lot of people using these substances, but I didn't see anything good from it. I never participated in any of this growing up myself. And it took, uh, until I was the ripe old age of, of 32 to overcome my, my fear, my skepticism, my doubt, uh, uh, and at the time I was, you know, I was, I was working in the corporate world. I was leading a team of 120 in, in management consulting in, in Hong Kong. And, you know, I was an atheist and I had, you know, life pretty, pretty well squared away as it were, you know, all of the, shall we say, um, slightly limited, but modern, uh, modern signs of a, of a successful life. Um, and so, and so you know, when I found my way to a retreat in Peru, it really began, it opened the door to spirituality for me. And it really began a a path of of healing and self-discovery, which has yielded so many benefits for me personally. You know, I used to be relatively impatient, easy to frustration, uh, and other character traits that I didn't understand. And um, a few of the dynamics that feed into this um, are one, we pretty much universally have experienced childhood trauma. um, And it's often come even from very loving, very caring parents. Uh, And so it's super common for people to uncover that that trauma um, when they have these experiences because they're re-accessing parts of the brain that have been suppressed and compartmentalized out of waking consciousness. The second dynamic is we're just overwhelmed uh, by modern life. There's so many decisions, so much complexity, so much stimulation, so many things, you know, our phones and everything, social media competing for our attention. Uh, And so because of that,
that we start to make a bunch of shortcuts in our thinking. And it sounds like a positive adaptive response uh, as an energy efficient mechanism, but the reality is it begins to short circuit um, the, the, the software of your brain. And so we become to have overly patterned thinking and behavior, which really robs us of a much richer uh, human experience. And, and the third dynamic is something that the science describes as the default mode network. Now, default mode network is all about um, thoughts that relate to I, me, my thoughts yeah. that are um, anchored in the past, anchored in the future. So basically it's robbing you of the present moment and enjoying it because you're always thinking about yourself compulsively. Um, and the National Science Foundation in the US did some great research that showed your average person has between uh, 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Mm -hmm. Just about 100% of those thoughts are about yourself, just about 100%. 95% um, of those thoughts are repetitive. So you're having the same thoughts over and over again. And 80% of thoughts for most people are negative. Now, what's fascinating about this is that for most of us, when we hear those statistics, we opt out of those for ourselves. We think of other people. We think, oh, that's so sad. That's not us. But the reality is that it is us. It's just that we can no longer see because these, these thinking patterns have become so deeply ingrained that we don't even see it. So I say, oh, I should, you know, I should have done this or I should have, I should have spoke to this person. That's a judgment. That's, that's, you know, that's negative self-talk. Even something as simple as, oh, I should have. Yeah. It's so weak right i mean that's pretty soft by by any by any by any measure but that's that's a judgment and it's a negative self-judgment um, and so there's so much room for each and every one of us to be kinder to ourselves and to elevate our consciousness and to yeah to gain a lot from these plants with the right guidance with the right context the right intention and 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 going deep uh, with ourselves. So I just kind of want to set the scene a little bit there and then we can mm -hmm. kind of move into, you know, however, however you actually want to, to take the conversation forward, Frank. Mm. Well, what kind of got you into it, really? What made yeah. you actually get into wanting to go down this road? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, my first experience was motivated by a transformation that I saw in someone more than 10 years before my first experience. So a friend of mine, she grew up unfortunately with a very traumatic childhood and she was always shy and full of self-doubt and self-pity. Um, and she went and she actually did a very, uh, a more in-depth experience in Peru, which was a month long with ayahuasca, starting from a very low dose and working up from, from there so that she could work with it more than you know, the super intensive experiences that are more common on uh, various media platforms. Um, and so uh, through that, I, I, when she came home, she was just a new person. She was you know, organizing us to go rock climbing and surfing and picnics in the park and out to the cinema. And I was just like, wow, you know, we were all looking at each other like, who is Sophie? Like, this is a completely different person. Um, and, and so from that, I was like, you know, this doesn't align to the education I received in school of just say no. And it doesn't align to my own experience growing up in Hawaii with substance abuse, what I saw all around me. And so there's something here, right? There's something here that I, that I need to experience. So I was drawn to that um, by virtue of my friends who were traveling uh, in Peru with me, as well as this past transformation that I had witnessed. And so, you know, it's, it's really challenging work. You know, it's not going in to confront and look at what's happening in the depths of our subconscious, generally speaking, is not too pretty. Um, so there's things that have anchored there 
that we don't even know. And people often ask me, well, why would I want to know about that? Well, the, the reality is that these things are manifesting in your character. You know, so I shared my frustration, my anger, uh, my impatience at times that would that would manifest. Um, and so by virtue of harmonizing your everyday waking consciousness with what's happening in your with in your subconscious you're able to alleviate and actually really change uh and improve and improve quality of experience and and you know i mean the science is showing cognition clarity of thinking sense of purpose and belonging life satisfaction mood and behavior um you know the list goes on and on you're going wow okay this is really this is really quite something um but ultimately for for the way i look at this work now having done it for for about five years is that it's really all about consciousness. Um, once you elevate your consciousness and maintain an, an elevated state of consciousness, all of the other benefits are a byproduct. So through my own journey, my own healing work, I had attended probably eight to 10 different retreats around the globe. And I thought at that point that I knew what good looked like. I had attended all these five-star retreats. Um, I had given five-star reviews at each of these five-star retreats. But then what was happening was that I was going back to my previous self subsequent to one of these retreats, right? So you have this really profound experience where you get some lessons some breakthroughs. Wow, this is who I could be. This is who I should be. There's the word should again. Um, and, uh, you know, you get all these lessons and then, you know, slowly but surely you've become who you are over decades. And those neural patterns and thinking patterns and behaviors are so well entrenched that unless you have some really strong guidance to help you spot and to kind of begin to operate from more of a metacognition so that you can see the way that you're interacting with yourself in the world, then, then it's really hard to rewire these patterns. So after eight to 10 retreats, I was really lucky. Uh, I just stumbled across some plant medicine healers who were operating at a very high level. They actually turned out to be my neighbors. And so I started working with them and I made more progress with them in the space of weeks than I had made in the three and a half years prior to that. Um, so it was really like eye-opening for me because I had already, I felt like I had already made so much progress through these three and a half years of retreat attendance and spending tens of thousands of dollars, you know, flying to Peru and Costa Rica and dot, 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 dot. And it was like, okay, wow, this like with, when you're working with experts here, uh, that really makes quite a difference. And so that even redoubled my interest and my motivation to, uh, to guide people towards exceptional, exceptional retreat experiences. Yeah, I love it. You're talking so much about the, the, the same things. I love it when people come on and just and reiterate what I say, because sometimes people need to, to hear it from other people as well. Right. It's yeah. these things that happen to us in childhood and form our identity and, and our ego rule the roost until you make them conscious. Um, I'm always saying my favorite quote is Carl Jung, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll direct your life and you'll call it fate. It just rings true through everything. And when I get clients coming to me, quite often the things that end up coming up, what people think their blocks are or like to label their blocks as, turn out to be something completely different. And I think investigating plant medicine and ayahuasca and psilocybin and all of the research that's coming out about it, and curiosity, if you haven't been able to tell, is one of my core values. So it's it's something that's just utterly fascinating to me. So to, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that it can can treat, essentially? Because I know we, we've talked about um, depression a little bit, and we've talked about being able to separate from the ego, which is what I call the zoom out. And it's this whole thing where you've, you've got to practice it, right? Where you're the observer of what you're doing and with that curiosity rather than being in it and having yeah. it kind of consume you and be who you are. So can you talk a little bit about some of the reasons that people go down this, this road? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually start where um, with with a piece that you mentioned in terms of early childhood. So for example, one of the examples I often give because it's a it's a really it's a real example that I that I know of from a friend of mine is imagine you're five years old and mom's had a long day and the two of you are carrying some groceries in and in that moment you drop the bag of groceries some glass hits the floor spills out breaks and in that moment mom in a moment of weakness oh you know you just never get anything right just get out of the way five-year-olds cannot distinguish between that which takes root in the subconscious versus that which is just mom at the end of a long day and so that can, that can really take hold. And now the child say the next day is at school playing ball with friends and in that moment gets the ball and thinks, oh, that, that pattern comes back to the floor. You never get anything right, just get out of the way. Child immediately passes the ball instead of trying to do anything with it. That can fundamentally change something as mild an infraction as that can fundamentally change the overall growth trajectory and confidence um, of, of a child. And so, you know, in terms of what this what these plant medicines can treat, I mean, the list is just growing exponentially at the moment. I I spoke with one of our advisors this morning, who's this um, he's an incredible doctor. It's he speaks so so exceptionally, um, and he's he was just telling me about. I'm just going to give this as one example, and then we'll get we'll broaden out into the umbrella. They're going to, they've just got a, a clinical trial approved for using DMT, which is one of the more powerful psychedelics for stroke victims. So people who have had a stroke trying to actually treat it with, um, with DMT. He said the other thing that they're likely to also start is for people who are still having a stroke and as the ambulance arrives to take them away, giving them a sub-perceptual dose of DMT. So not a um, psychedelic dose, but a sub-perceptual dose in order to enhance the neuroplasticity in the brain so it'll actually allows uh, communication um, within and across the brain in more ways and so can actually reduce the overall risk of a given stroke to uh, oh. to, to to neural to neurological as well as physical um, you know manifestations of, of a stroke so I mean the the list is it's just growing like crazy um, at the moment and it's it's I mean it's, this is I hate to say something like a silver bullet right I'm coming from a consulting background every every time you hear something that's like a silver bullet you go mm, yeah. <laughs> true right but it's funny because I mean we've had these we've had these plants in front of our faces for literally as far, as long as we've been around on the planet is, yeah and somehow, and somehow, you know, you hear about all of these, um, you know, winding back to some historical context, you hear of like these witch trials and stuff like that. What that work I think actually represents or what those events represent is, you know, the power mechanisms that were in place, wiping out plant medicine practitioners, whether that was in, uh, you know, the Greater Britain or Europe or, or the USA, the, the so-called witches were being hunted down and, and, um, and, and, you know, bad things were being done to them because they were, I think, plant medicine workers. And there's a, there's a whole research piece and narrative around this, but coming back to your question. Um, so, so one paradigm I like to dispel when we, we speak about treatment is that at the moment we have a little bit of a, a false narrative in the sense that if you have, if your mental health is above a certain level, then you're fine. There's nothing to worry about. Continue on with your life. 
if your mental health is below this level, then you've got things to worry about. Go see a psychiatrist and, and talk about treatment. And that's, that's really not it. The, the reality is that each of us can improve our quality of experience each and every day. Um, and, and we all should be putting significant amount of time and our energy into how we improve our quality of experience. And so when we talk about, um, you know, the things that can be treated, I, you know, I can speak to some of the science that's come out, but really what we're talking about is elevating consciousness. Like that's the fundamental thing and everything else gets treated as a byproduct of an elevated state of consciousness. You know, there's more and more of the research is showing that, um, your experience of the world is just a reflection of your level of consciousness. What you see, what you experience, all of it is just like, it's, it's a function of how you're seeing the world. And so, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've got incredible research on PTSD, which is, you know, long been super hard to treat depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorders, addictive disorders, right? Whether that be pornography, alcohol, other substances that are more addictive, you know, these plant medicines are, are described uh, as non-addictive in medical terms, because you just, you wake up the next morning and you're not exactly in a rush to go and do that again, right? So um, these are very powerful experiences. So um, yeah, I mean, the range, the range there, there's also a um, uh, increasing body of evidence for autoimmune disorders. Um, so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of science that's coming out now that is going to evidence that a, I don't want to say all, but a large majority of diseases are actually based in the mind. So they are actually thought-based uh, diseases, right? So things like cancer, things like um, fibromyalgia is now recognized as it has a physical manifestation, right? But it's, um, it's a trauma-based uh, disease. And so often when people have um, when people have breakthroughs with plant medicine, they actually can begin to heal their fibromyalgia. You know, we had a client recently who had lupus, uh, which is a, a serious autoimmune disorder. She hasn't gone back on her medicine, knock on wood, um, since uh, it's been probably three and a half weeks that she's returned home now. She's feeling great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for, for people who are it, part of the, the motivation for us has also been able to, to help people network, right? So um, whether it's uh, IBS or this or that, you know, you, there's lots of people out there who have incredible healing stories for their diseases with plant medicine. And so part of the, the piece that for us has been really motivating and energizing is if someone comes in our direction with a particular ailment, you know, it's, um, it's, it's great to be able to connect him to people who have healing stories with exactly their, you know, their, their illness ailment. Um, and then if that, you know, if that eventuates in something for us or it doesn't either way, it's totally fine. It's just like, look, you need to speak to these people because they're going to, you're going to love the story that they tell you. And at least you're going to gain a lot out of uh, that understanding. So, so it's a bit of a bit of an overview in terms of the, the broad spectrum. I love it. Love it. Because there's things like one of the biggest messages that I try and put out there is just to just stop accepting things as just the way they are, because it's not ever the case. Um, when whether it comes to long term illnesses or um, anxiety or all of these different things. And I'm kind of living proof of that as, as well. Um, me six years ago, people when I tell people how I used to be they're like, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I was I referred to myself as Eeyore on a bad day I was genuinely one of the most negative people that you could meet genuinely and I was I was that energy vampire you know the people that <laughs> you'd be around them and it got to a point where I could feel my friends didn't want to be around me but also I couldn't see the good in anything it wow. was it was horrendous to be in that place but 
this is why I get so frustrated and, and upset that this stuff doesn't get taught to people just yeah. in the basic mainstream, which is why I love that we're having this conversation because it is becoming more mainstream. Yes. And I feel like these conversations are being had in schools, but obviously not the, <laughs> the plant medicines in schools, but the conversations around trauma and uh, teachers and parents understanding this process, mm. because you're never going to have the perfect parent because we're all human beings, right? But it's if you can understand, if you have a moment of weakness, it's okay. But there are ways to kind of protect your kids against that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's also around the media that you that you consume, the books that you read, the accounts that you follow on social media, all of these things help you form these neural networks that create who you are and what your yeah. beliefs are. But That's whoever sad. that is in this particular moment doesn't need to be who that is in in even a week. Sometimes you yeah. can have these profound moments of realizations where you're like, everything I believed about myself has just been blasted out the water. And I love yeah. that. And I think plant medicine is something, something that would be incredible. So when it comes to your retreat specifically, what's the process? Because obviously, like we said before, it's not a drop it and run kind of situation. Yeah. You talk about the, the extensive prep and the integration. So talk me through kind of the whole process and how this works. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch of dynamics that has has led me to where we are. So when we first launched, we were doing um, mostly private retreats, really high end uh, for CEOs and executives. And what ha what was happening was that they were having really profound experiences. But like my, me and my first experience, they were kind of returning back to where they were. Uh, and so there's you know if there's anyone who's listening who wants to open high high end psychedelic retreats. There's a massive business for that, but we we're not really motivated. There's we're not really motivated by that. We're motivated more by people having the shift, right? Um, it's um, you can make a lot. You know, again, the money the money is is one aspect of it, but like we really want people to get the benefit out of doing this work. And so, in order for that to be true, there's generally speaking people are not doing the mental and emotional work. They're just going for a retreat. They really are excited about the retreat and the experience itself. And that's that's limited, that's deeply limited. The second dynamic is for the untrained eye, it's near impossible, you know, like me for, for those years, it's near impossible to understand what good looks like. So if you go to any of the retreat aggregator websites, right, and look at all the different retreat options, what you'll see is that universally those retreat options are rated as five stars. Um, and that is that is a you know pretty strong indication for anyone who's got half a brain that we don't understand this this work this area very well at all because I mean if you if I told you that every single Airbnb was five stars you would be looking at me like okay we've we've clearly messed something up we we have to do this again and the quality the variability of quality of work in this space is incredibly large like it's just so wide uh, it should be one to a hundred stars in in practice and so so what we've done is really to um, provide a more holistic approach and program um, to guide people through you know taking stock of where they are um, realistically where they you know where they want to be right so you know I think you know as, as, as you were alluding to 
we can create our own reality. You know, we have the power of imagination. Anything that you can imagine can be, you know, can be brought to pass, right? I think Elon Musk is someone who's out there and embodying that in a very real way. So, you know, set your imagination, set your heights high for yourself in terms of who you want to be, not in 20 years, right? Let's talk about three months. Let's talk about six months. Who is that person going to be? They're going to be, um, you know, vibrant health, spiritually, emotionally, physically. They're going to have great relationships. They're going to be passionate about the work that they're doing. They're going to be abundant by virtue of that passion. All of these things that we all deserve and love. Um, and so you can really begin to define that future self in, in, in a great amount of detail. And so through that process and also speaking with our coaches, we'll also begin to see those mental and emotional blind spots, right? So we all have mental and emotional blind spots. So someone to an expert to really coach you into recognizing what those things might be that you might work on. Um, and, you know, the coaches that, 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 that guide our program, they're so intuitive, right? They're really spiritually tuned in. So their ability, and they've, they've, they've led thousands of clients. So their ability to pattern recognize is quite strong, right? And everyone's got their their own little story of like, oh no, you know, you don't you don't understand me. It's like, no, it's yeah, just, you're yeah, yeah, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're really not so different. Uh, so, so, so helping people, you know, get through their little story. Um, it's just so funny working in this space. People always you know their story, and it's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. So, so helping people, you know, see their story for what it is, and and put it to bed, um, preferably even ahead of a retreat experience, because you know, what, what you're experiencing and, and to teach them tools, I should, it should be the last thing before we move to the retreat component is teaching people these tools, these empowering tools for doing a mental and emotional work that will last them a lifetime. Right. And I've been flabbergasted. I mean, there's some of these tools I use on a daily basis. Now uh, I've been flabbergasted. How is it that I was never taught these things earlier in life? Because I know. They're so powerful. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, teaching people these tools so that when they come into the retreat setting, number one, um, they know where to look, right? So you're going to have, you're going to have greater access to your subconscious. So you're going to have some subjects in mind to, to bring, um, to bring into the experience. You're also going to have your future self really well-defined, right? So you can, you can use the retreat experience to embody that future self. And then the plant medicine will actually begin to provide you those downloads and those insights of like, look, if you're going to have great health then these are the things you know it might show you things in relation to exercise or food or um you know how you're treating yourself mentally and emotionally and all of these sorts of things and so you know if, if you make the request and you're very being very specific about like look this is who i am going to be i know i'm going to be this person then the plant medicine is very likely to show you but like but here is one two three four five six seven and you're like oh dear here we go this here comes yeah. the message <laughs> And, and it really, it's, it's really incredible and, and so humbling and powerful to bear witness to like, I am being sent messages from, from above. I mean, there's, there's really no other terms for it. Right. Um, it's, these messages are coming thick and fast in terms of how I can improve my quality of experience. And so, you know, often when people have, you know, people have these profound breakthroughs, um, then there's a lot to integrate. Right. So, you know, we had a client who, 46 years old, mother of three, never really dabbled in this space before. And, um, you know, so she went on a retreat with us and she had this common one, which is a massive self-love breakthrough, right? So she felt self-love for the first time in her life and also recognized that she is not her body, right? She, the body is, the body is interesting. It's 
yeah, great vehicle, um, so long as we treat it as such. But, you know, those sorts of breakthroughs where you realize, wow, I've never loved myself and wow, I'm not my body. I mean, there's a lot to integrate back into your quality of experience so that you can you can bring that you know, you can bring that home in a beautiful way. And the other, you know, the other dynamic that we were talking about before is you'll often uncover some trauma, right? So there's going to be some, some challenges within that. Um, and as and when people do discover that, they often, the instinct is like, oh, I got to go tell my mother or I got to go tell my father. And that's, that's generally not the answer. The, the answer is to integrate that into your character. And then, you know, some weeks or a month later, if you're still feeling like, you're coming from a really centered and loving place to put something like that back on the table, then you're coming at it from, from the right perspective. So it's really important to have guidance throughout that process. And then, you know, as you return to life, all of those triggers are awaiting you, right? So whether that's bad traffic or your family or uh, an, un, you know, an unrelenting boss or, you know, long work hours or, you know, buddies who want to drag you out drinking on a Friday night, the list is on and on. And so it's like all the, all the external world still expects you to be the same, even though you now feel self-love for the first time. And, you know, so it's like, whoa. Uh, and so some, yeah, some third-party guidance is important. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing that is really important to talk about. And I think sometimes people can shy away from really going down the path of making profound changes because you, you do lose people along the way, but it depends how, how you want to look at that it doesn't always have to be a negative thing because I always like the have you heard the crab in the bucket analogy where the crab could get out if they all just work together that crab could get out and over the top and and off to freedom but when one crab tries to escape all the others pull it back and that's exactly what happens in life when we're trying to make these changes and it's really important to kind of be aware that that is going to go on but when you can understand about the ego and you can understand about um these things that have happened that create who these people are you get to to kind of observe that again and it's again it's being able to zoom out and say okay i understand that this isn't a personal thing to me this is them operating from their stuff that i'm working through and i can choose to share what i'm working through but i also cannot drag them along with me do yeah. you find that that sort of thing is quite common? And then the integration element of, of your retreats is what helps people through that element of it. Yeah, super common, super common. And I would say, generally speaking, it is hard. You know, the first time around, it is hard for people to give up um, a lot of those things that may be keeping them, keeping them down, right? Because, um, yeah, we're compassionate, right? We're compassionate by nature. And so, you know, if we've got friends that, I mean, we might've even known for years beforehand that eh, maybe the influence wasn't great, but we love them, right? We care for them. And so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a thin line uh, to tread as it were, because it's, um, it's, and it's a choice, right? It's, it's not to say that you should block out people who, um, who, who drain your energy, right? It's still, it's, but you have to do that in such a way that it no longer drains your energy. So you need to set boundaries for yourself so that when, as, and when you do engage with them, you're doing so from a place of, I love you. I want to spend time with you. Um, but I, I can't be dragged down into, you know, if you're talking about the torturous relationships that you've got with this and that and the other, like, look, I, I recognize and I love you, but like, I can't be dragged down into that because it's really not my stuff. Um, and, and so, you know, I think as more and more people do more of their deep introspective emotional work, then 
one of the nice nicer dynamics in my mind is that there's a lifting of all tides right because as friends have seen you no doubt make the transition from where you were they take a greater interest they're like wow these big shifts are possible and and there's really no end to that right there's no upper limit to quality of experience i mean you know there's there's the levels of consciousness that have been documented just go on and on and on and on right and there's just we can all just get better and better and better. And so that's, that's, you know, part of what's really exciting is that when people recognize that big shift in you and begin to see the behavioral changes, et cetera, they get motivated. They go, I can, you know, she seems yeah. like she's having a lot more fun than she used to be having. I want to have a lot more yeah. fun than I used to be having. And that's, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, it's definitely been the same for me. I think my changes um, solidified and strengthened a huge amount and probably the majority of my relationships some relationships naturally fell away there was no big dramatic I don't love you anymore because because it's not about that is it and then there's also the people that that fell away for a time and I've noticed that they've come back full circle and now we're kind of closer than ever so it's just being okay with changes because change change can feel intimidating because it's unknown isn't it and your brain tries to follow the familiar so the great thing about plant medicine is you could you get to rewire that from scratch don't you yeah yeah you do neuroplasticity it's incredible it is i mean it's 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 so powerful and i think you know the the other dynamic that tends to happen with this is that when people go and they have their first retreat experience they get really excited they're like wow you know that wow that was so incredible i have to tell everyone all of my friends have to do this and it's like i know i used to think the same thing (laughs) and it's like that's really not it it's it's uh it's super important that uh the the, you know if the soul is calling then then it will all unfold as it means to right and so um you know for us i always say to the to the team like everything will unfold as it means to like you know we just need to put out in the world what we're trying to do and what we're trying to do differently. And people will either choose to do this work or not choose to do this work. And they will select into the experience that is right for them. You know, whether that be full, you know, Amazon immersion with the mud under the eyes yeah. and you know, no food for three days. Okay. Yeah. That's what you want to go for it. Like, but other people are like, please, you know, white walls, latte machine. I want it to be really mm-hmm. nice and comfortable with a blankie and maybe you know (laughs) it's like yeah that's also that's I totally understand that I could really you know be as comfortable as you can for for what is going to be a a vulnerable experience yeah oh I'm loving this conversation so I mentioned earlier about how there used to be a, a fear around psychedelics and all of these sorts of things there's a lot of misconceptions as well a lot of myths are there any that that you just that you'd love to bust yeah um where to start i think um i think the place that i would say is i would start by by a word of caution in relation to safety actually um that you know as this topic becomes normalized people are assuming that normalization means safety that that's that's really not it like it's these these there are so many horror stories out there right even in a professional context uh, there are really you know some bad stories out there in relation to that also i would point out that this space is entirely unregulated at the moment right so sorry if i've gone the other way on it than you expected but i actually i actually really appreciate <laughs> i actually really appreciate that most of the stuff that you see 
in the you know in, in the majority of the media channels tends to be about 50 50 so they tend to have about 50 percent of the coverage on like hey here's a lot of the really cool benefits and then 50 percent about like hey recognize that there's some other types of stories that are out there and i think that's super important because even if it's 99 percent one percent in terms of good stories bad stories like i have access unfortunately to a lot of bad stories um, and they're way more common than we give give knowledge to because they often don't really make the news right it's um and it's just so so common so you know for anyone who who feels motivated um you know just take this super slowly super carefully um the there's a, the few myths myths that come to mind for me are um number one around a, a bad trip um you know i think you know there's it's, it can be a very challenging trip, right? And so that's why expert guidance is so important uh, in relation to one of these experiences to really hold space for you and to help you through the emotional processing uh, in relation to what may be arising. I think the other dynamic it, that I would, that I hear a lot about, but um, but doesn't get, but doesn't actually get spoken about uh, that much is the, how to phrase this? I would say, I would say it's um, <laughs> losing, there's a fear, right? There's a fear of, of losing the mind. Um, and, and that's, to some extent, that's healthy. You know, even though I've had, you know, probably close to 40 ceremonies now over the years, I still have a degree of um, trepidation or uh, nerves or even, you know, fear um, in relation to these experiences because they're not predictable experiences. And so any, you know, in my mind, any adventure that it's worth its salt has a degree of butterflies in the stomach associated with it. That's what makes it an adventure, right? So if you're going hiking in the Himalayas, there's that feeling, right? It's the same sort of a, sort of a feeling. Um, and so, and so, you know, the other, the other, the other fear that often comes up for people is, am I, am I going to lose my mind, right? Am I going to really lose my mind? And again, this is why expert guidance is so important to help you find the right dosage, to manage the energetics correctly, because, you know, at the moment we're, we're talking about kind of the very surface level of the subject. It's so much deeper. There's so many dynamics. I'm happy to dive into some of the stranger ones to see uh, how much your audience might think I've lost my mind, but, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, there, there is a, a fear there of like, Oh, well, I, I think I can lose my mind. Um, and actually, broadly speaking, the, the, the opposite is true is that you can actually gain your mind, uh, for probably the first time in, in your life. Um, now the other unfortunate dynamic is because this work is unregulated, um, there are no controls out there, right? So um, the work is being allowed in a number of countries, but it's, um, there's no standards for uh, medical screening, which is super important. There's no standards for quality of care. And generally speaking, there's not enough attention paid to emergency protocols, right? So um, again, we've been fortunate. We're still a relatively new business. We haven't had any emergency cases, but it's not a question of, of if, it's a question of when, right? Um, there are um, stories, you know, it's, it's probably something like one in 10,000 really require acute attention. Um, so it's a very, you know, small percentage of cases. But, you know, we've got 8 billion people worldwide, you know, extrapolate that over time. And there's going to be a lot of people that are that are in that bucket, right? Um, because I think this will become legalized and democratized, etc. over the uh, over the broader population. So that's a few of the dynamics. Are there any other myths that, um, that you may know about that you may, from, from uh, the UK, you're part of the world that, uh, that you think we might benefit? Right. From? Well, I think, I 
think to be honest that because we all and and I talk about this a lot like we have our unconscious beliefs around what something is and what it's going to be so that when you talk about LSD or or mushrooms like you have these visions of people jumping off roofs and seeing terrifying things and and that's the main thing It, it tends to be around the bad trip the danger um and that's kind of what what we've grown up understanding as psychedelics um, and that it's for a particular group of people and all of this kind of bias that's around it just purely from messages that we're fed so I love that the, the conversation's happening but as well I think talking about it in terms of being able to use it as a tool and I love the way you're talking about it with such integrity because even in what I do around the the mind and all of these things, so much of it is so unregulated and there's so many messages that I see um, in in the way that people market themselves. It's like instant transformation and all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So it takes people to kind of stand in integrity and, and, and give the real reasons you know things can go wrong you can get re-traumatized um but if you're doing it with somebody who knows what they're doing and knows what this is then you're safe and it's it's knowing how to have a duty of care to the people it's not about cash through the door it's about a duty of care um i suppose what i want to know is what you think the future of psychedelics is going to be because we're kind of just scratching the surface aren't we we're just at the beginning yeah yeah, so I think um, there's a few different dynamics here. I think um, it's all emerging very quickly. You know, I um, a few of the dynamics that I think I'll, I'll bring into the conversation is implications, number one, for the healthcare system, right? Uh, number mm-hmm. two, um, the medicines themselves. We can talk a little bit about the, the different types of medicines that are out there and those that are gaining traction versus those that are not. Um, and then we can talk about um, quality of practitioners because I think that's a massive under-recognized bottleneck. You know, we've got hundreds and thousands of people now who want to be, you know, psychedelic therapists. Um, what I now understand about this work is that even if you go and spend four years in, in college and, you know, do all this and that and the other, and then another five years and eight years or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good psychedelic therapist. Um, the, it, there's, this work is, um, you know, there's, there's the way I look at it is kind of, there's people who apply medicine, right. And I'd say 90, probably 80, 90% of people working in this space are just like, Hey, take this medicine. And then we'll sit in a circle and we'll see what happens. Then there's like another, you know, small percentage, maybe 10% of people who are qualified to do either somatic work or mental and emotional work, right? So they're more the holding space and, you know, facilitating people through the experience. And then there's a very small percentage of people who can actually do the spiritual or the energetic work, right? Like we're talking very, very small percentage of people here. And they're actually able to, shall we say, manage the energies that are coming into your experience and they're managing those through your consciousness through your body um, so as to release out the things that are no longer uh, serving you and those are the people who can really help you sustain an elevated consciousness and now you know there's people who have been working with plant medicine for decades and decades who still have a low level of consciousness right and again you can look you can just look at any psychedelic scene and look around and just be like okay these people are these people are not thriving right so clearly it's not just that psychedelics in of itself has has a great impact so the practitioners are super super important so looking out into the future i think um there's a real requirement 
to actually identify those practitioners who have some of these skills inherently. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of these trying to describe these skills, these energetic and spiritual skills in practical terms, it's kind of, it's, it's almost just lost, right? Because these are people who are able to tap into energetic, yeah, ener the energetic realities, um, the, the psychedelic studies from Harvard and Yale and John Hopkins, et cetera, they're beginning to unearth those spiritual and energetic realities and, and having to label them as such, which is really interesting. Um, but there's really a shortage of people who can who can work in that field. And it's really kind of quantum field uh, type of work that, that, that they're doing. Um, so coming back then to the medicines themselves. So there's kind of at the moment, there's one, well, there's three medicines that are being called psychedelic, two of which are not psychedelic, right? So MDMA and ketamine are being lumped in at the moment. Both of them are obviously not plant medicines. They're both synthetic. Um, and both of them are also uh, have potential, potential to be highly addictive. Um, so, and they're also not psychedelic, they're psychoactive, which means that there's no visual um, experience, generally speaking, with uh, ketamine or with um, MDMA. Now, therapy with ketamine, with MDMA can be very, very, very powerful, but I don't think the, the experiences can be quite as profound as, say, the plant medicine and the psycho, psychedelic substances. So uh, the third is um, that's, that's getting traction is, as you, as you shared before, it's psilocybin, magic, magic mushrooms. Now, in the medical context, the one, it's synthetic psilocybin. So again, they're synthesizing the molecule. You know, in the West, we've unfortunately got this obsession, our scientific obsession with molecule isolation to find that, you know, what's the silver bullet and what does it do? Um, and, you know, by comparison, ayahuasca has 463 compounds in it. So it is an incredibly complex medicine. Um, and so I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see this space emerge because what I suspect is going to happen is that the first wave of these medicines, MDMA and ketamine and psilocybin, are going to bring people to a particular place. But then I think they're actually probably on the whole going to plateau there and or people are going to recognize that there's other uh, there's other medicines that are more powerful, right? And so uh, mescaline is a, you know, San Pedro or, or peyote cactus is super powerful. Um, uh, iboga is one that's very seldom spoken about. It's from Gabon in Africa, super powerful medicine, um, very strong, you know, it's often described as the uh, male equivalent to ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is more grandmother, you know, maternal energy. Iboga is more kind of the the male strength energy, so it's very powerful plant medicine. Uh, ayahuasca, obviously very well known and growing in popularity. And then there's the, um, you know, again, there's the chemicals that underlie uh, ayahuasca. So there's DMT, uh, and that's growing in popularity as well. It's great to see that it's super powerful medicine, like super powerful. Um, and, and there's a lot more that's happening with clinical trials there. And then there's 5-MeO-DMT, which is um, even more powerful again. Uh, and that's also getting quite a bit of attention. That's, uh, I don't know if you've seen the thing with Mike Tyson recently, he had his yeah. massive breakthrough with 5-MeO-DMT. Uh, with yeah. Oh, I love it. It's, it's just so fascinating, but I think, I think one of the, the core things is, is just to reiterate, don't go trying to do any of this yourself. <laughs> it's like Jonathan says, it's making sure that you're picking your practitioner and you're really doing your due diligence and your research. This is not something that you enter into lightly. 100%. And, and um, just for your guests, you know, the, the, 
the challenge in finding a good experience is not finding a good experience. And let me elaborate on that, which is that you will go meet friends who have gone and done an ayahuasca circle and said, oh yeah, I know a guy who does this really great. Yes, that's what they've said to you. That's not necessarily make, it doesn't necessarily make it so. What you want to know, who the person you want to take guidance from in terms of who you want your, um, your experience with is someone who's fundamentally changed their lives, right? So you want to actually hear the transformational story from, well, before I was kind of here, I was, you know, working in audit 12 hours a day, fluorescent lighting and, you know, dot, dot, dot. And now six months later, 12 months later, whatever the time period, now here's everything that I have got going on in my life. And you should be hearing things about health, um, desire and motivation to care for the self, um, the relationships, you know, the motivation, passion for work. You should be hearing all of those sorts of things. So it's not like, oh yeah, I had a really profound experience. It's what has been the changes to the quality of your everyday life and your everyday experience in consciousness. Um, that's what we're really testing for. And one of the dynamics is that, you know, as we're starting out, it, what, what feels like, what I explained for me, what feels like a massive amount of progress is actually just, just mm-hmm. scratching the surface. And, and I was in that cycle for years. So um, I only share this message because I'm just trying to help people learn from the mistakes that I made for, for so many years, you know. Exactly. We get to short, shortcut the years and, <laughs> and the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you and the research and your retreats? Let everybody know where they can investigate. So we're, we're on behold-retreats.com. Um, you can read a lot more about what we're doing, what we're offering. We've got some links to some of the great science. There's some great documentaries out there. I would really recommend anyone, uh, Fantastic Fungi. Um, if you're interested in, in reading, Michael Pollan's book is, you know, who you mentioned before, is really great. He's um, actually a new book is just coming out in the next couple of weeks, I believe, which should be exciting. I think he having read some of other Michael Pollan's book, and I'm a huge fan of his other books, I did feel like his book on psychedelics held back quite considerably. And I think he did so consciously because he wanted to ease the subject into uh, an American population that's got their mind made up about way too many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm so, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's really going to follow up with a solid right hand with his, uh, with his next book. So it should be, it should be, it should be a page turner. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's a few of the areas or a few of the places that I would put people in the direction of, I think just generally speaking, if this is something that, um, that takes, that takes your interest, spend the time and the energy, you know, just as you said, friend, it's something that's grabbed your interest and you've been doing your own research. That's the most fundamental thing. Like go out there, hear some stories, read some things and begin to form your own thoughts, your own questions, your own opinions and really understand your own motivations. Right. So what I hear a lot of is like, oh, yeah, two of my friends did this. I want to do this. And it's like, no, no, no. Develop, develop your own motivation. Like really try to understand for yourself. Why is it that you would actually have one of these experiences? Um, Because through that process of understanding yourself, you will come to get a lot more uh, from the experience itself. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's so true. It, there's so many things that we do on a daily basis because other people have told us we should or because they've done it or because someone else has said, oh, you can do this. And it's so rare that people strip it back and say, OK, what do I want and what do I think? Like, let's strip away the layers of what other people are telling me and really connect back into kind of myself and yeah. what I think and I believe. 
So love that. So if there was one thing that you wanted listeners to take away from all of this, what would it be? Understand the levels of consciousness and Mm -hmm. understand that your experience, you know, the mystics have been telling this for us this for millennia, right? But uh, like, like so many others, I wasn't listening for the majority of my life. And I think in the modern, rational, logical world, we've become disconnected from our true nature. Now, through elevating our consciousness, we can reconnect with source energy, we can reconnect with our true nature, we can begin to peel away the levels of programming that have come from modern culture um, and recognize ourselves for what we truly are, which is eternal spirits. Um, and that will be here, you know, that, that we're here before our birth and we'll be here after our death. And to have that experience for ourselves and that knowledge for ourselves, that can never be taken away. And it's such a humbling, beautiful, empowering, universal, transcendent experience that, um, it's something that, you know, I wish for everyone, you know, of course, everyone at their own speed, in their own time, in their own place. Um, and, and importantly, I would say that plant medicine is, is a fast way to get there, but it's certainly not the only way to get there. There are many, many other ways to get to these higher levels of consciousness without plant medicine. So for those that this feels too extreme, take the interest anyway. This is not dependent upon plant medicine. It's just a powerful tool. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, as I said, I said this, I can't even remember where I said this. There's thousands of modalities out there. And that's the thing. It's kind of the curiosity piece of the puzzle comes back in again. It's like, just be curious what could work for you, what like resonates with you. But again, it's that tuning back into your body again, isn't it? And thinking about, okay, what's, what's, what's vibing with me? Like, what am I feeling into? Um, And if there's a call there to, to try something out, listen to it, research, investigate, all of that. Ah, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation, Jonathan. So thank you so much for joining me and having a cup of tea over some psychedelic chat. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much, friend. So if you've got value from this and you know in your gut that now is the time to step up and start rewiring your thinking and start changing things for yourself, then please do book in a free discovery call so we can work out what needs to happen to get you from where you're at right now to the action-taking success you know you can be. If you want my eyes and ears on your problems, then I do work with people one-on-one and through the Proactive Pants program. You can find all the details to book in a call in the show notes, the link in my bio on Instagram and on my website, franexcel.com. So stop waiting for if and when and choose to change things now because you can. I am here to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. And as always, I hope you found this helpful. And as always, I will see you next week. Bye.